which I don't really, I don't really know how to unpack that one. So I'm just not going to touch it. This is Juice Talk Racial Justice with April and Tracy, a weekly show hosted by April Baskin and Tracy Guy Decker. In a complex world, change takes courage. Wholehearted relationships can keep us accountable. Grab my Chromebook so that I can be on the looking at that stuff. While while we're talking that, I'm going to go grab and microwave a piece of pizza. Yeah, good idea. The emojis with the different skin colors, actually, um, from our little text exchange this morning. Um, and there was an article in the Atlantic um, from May 2016, actually, about the fact that um, a lot fewer white folks are using white skinned emoji Um than you know like this this um andrew mcgill actually did the data analysis to see how many white like of the lightest two shades are being used and compared it to demographics and internet usage and blah 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 and um very very few people relative to who's out there are using the lightest skin tone or the second lightest they're using like the yellow like the simpsons yellow or the darker colors um i just i'm just thinking about like is that by comparison? In comparison to what? To the um, to folks who use the three darkest um, skin tone colors that you know that the emoji gives you. Um, so you have from like very pale, like me, um, and then like a step up. It's there are five total plus the yellow. Um, right. So from the you know brown, uh, dark brown down to sort of fair kind of, you know, whatever weird peachy beigey color, um, you know, fair white skin people are. And, um, according to this data in 2016, um, about 19.6% use that lightest white 29.3 using the second step up 27.4, the third step up 21.3, the fourth and only only 2.4% using the um, darkest brown. That surprises me too. Are we of all anyway, people? This or- is of on Twitter users using the emojis in on Twitter. The different, you know, hand and skin and mm. color ones. And um, so this wasn't of white people. This was all across. I thought this was data. All data Twitter set. users. Oh, okay. The data set was all Twitter users, apparently. Yeah. Um, okay. so anyway, I was just, I was just scanning that article because you and I had that conversation this morning and, and you know, where I, I had forgotten how to select the skin color and, and the default for me was yellow, the Simpsons yellow for most of them. But for some of the ones I would use most often, like the wave and the thumbs up, um, were both brown, brown skin hands. Um, and you know, also one that I never use, the middle finger up, was also brown skin, which I don't really, I don't really know how to unpack that one, so I'm just not going to touch it. But um, yeah, and and I finally remember that you you press and hold, and it gives you the options. Um, and I actually choose to use the color that's closest to my skin, which is the lightest, um, in part because I feel like I I think I must have seen this headline before about the fact that you know, McGill is, is that, is that his name? Did I just say the wrong name? Anyway, this author thinks that, um, you know, maybe it's shame that's making white folks not sort of represent their actual skin tone. Um, 
but, or, you know, maybe it's the fact that at its default, actually, even that yellow sort of means to represent white people. And so maybe it is the anti-racist move to not use the white. I don't, I don't know. And maybe it doesn't matter. It's just a, like, and in my mind, yellow, the Simpsons, I think like there's a way in which I think there are different ter- interpretations and ways of unpacking that. Like, um, and I wasn't thinking we're going to be diving into something while I'm eating, but I kind of like model being human. So, um, <laughs> and I'm hungry right now. So, um, yeah, like there's a way in which like I use the yellow at times because to me, like I would argue and it'd be interesting. Like I'm sure that there's material out there. So maybe some folks can lift it up for us, but you know, about the, the Simpsons creators about choosing yellow in part because while at times people refer to Asian heritage folks as yellow, um, right. Right. or excuse me, at least East Asian, East Asian folks, but um, they're not literally yellow. Like they might have a yellow hue to their skin. Like I have a yellow hue to my skin. Um, and they're more in the tan brown range, broad, broadly speaking, doesn't include everyone. Um, and so I would suspect, especially like that on some level, or I'd like to think, let me just keep it simple. I'm not talking about the intents of the, cre- the creator, but for me, I liked them being yellow because it, it um, because in some ways, I don't know, I'm not really feeling this. Actually, because if like, I think about most of the episodes and things like that and the behavior of the folks, I think there are characters who more or less um, connected to different racial patterns. Like I think Marge in some ways, given how down she was about some things and thoughtful about others, that it's not fully clear to me what her racial background is based upon her sociological manifestations. And I feel like that's interesting as well, right? Versus like Bart, both in his language and, and articulation. And I'm, and I'm sure I have no doubt that there are black kids who very much <laughs> match Bart's behavior. But to me, like he has more white boy behavior. Um, <laughs> I saw an Instagram post recently. I think it was Instagram where like a family, a black family had dressed up the Simpsons, like the whole family, right? With the mom was wearing the blue wig and like, um, and cause I guess they had a boy, a girl and a baby and they dressed up and there was some mm-hmm. like comment from some, you know, white fragility, white fragile person who was like, how can you say that blackface is bad when you all are doing this? And the comments like tore her apart. They were like, lady, the Simpsons are yellow. <laughs> They're not white. And so that's, that's kind of what you're saying. I think is that there was a because the because they are colored yellow, whereas there are other characters who have brown skin. I mean, Apu, very problematic. That's a separate conversation. But his skin color is brown. By that, you mean like super racist characterization and um, caricature? Yeah, total there caricature. Are, there are white folks like Mr. Burns and Ned Flanders. And and um, and even Mr. Burns's lackey, whose name I'm... wait, Mr. Burns, what? 
his la- his assistant, his lackey, the guy who works for him. Um, mm-hmm. Smithers. Yes, Smithers. Yes, thank you. Yes, Smithers is definitely white. Yeah. Anyway, it's think, um because some people see it as a default, and I don't. I'm like that noise. I, I mean, I don't mind if like people like woke white folks like you, and like this often can be defaulted as white. So I want to choose to consciously use it. But as a person of color, like from my vantage point, I'm, I'm aware that the because of the collective consciousness, the default is often white within. Co- the collective consciousness of the United States, because that's um, how people have been trained across all racial lines to have white be the default, often, right. unless they explicitly grew up, grew up in an anti-oppressive, liberatory context in which they were taught otherwise, or not so liberatory and nationalist context in which they were taught otherwise. Um, liberatory, not liberatory. Anyway, it's complicated material for another day. Um, yeah, but like going back to it, so, you know, I choose the slightly darker tan one, like the pre-solidly brown or light brown. I'm like, this this feels about right. Or right? at times I go with like slightly darker because of my politics and how dark I can get in the summertime and, and like my rationalization. Like if I were healthier and um, if I were more active and outdoors, just from just being outside, like not like not trying to change my skin tone just from being outside my hair would be a little redder and I would like I was blown away when I was in college at one point when I in my senior year when I looked at college uh, photos from high school and having lived in New England for four years I was like yo I was like four or five shades darker in high school and I didn't and I hadn't noticed how much lighter I'd gotten and I was just like, whoa, I know you, you know, it was just like, wow, I was so tan. Like I was really brown. I wasn't tan. I was like light brown. I was, a, I was, a, I was a thumb up on the, on the scale. <laughs> so I have a cousin, that's my sweet cousin, Christina, who like, she has black and Russian heritage and, and her skin is light tan a little sallow tan tone but in the summertime like she can her skin tone will change like pretty quickly because of her mixed race heritage um which i think is kind of cool it kind of seems like a superhero trait (laughs) cosplay so hopefully she'll appreciate that (laughs) well i still it's it's an interesting conversation yeah it's, and it's a reminder too of the small ways that white supremacy shows up in our lives, like in the, the small details, you know, I think that's, that's another piece of it. I, so I did this training. This is, I told you about this in a WhatsApp briefly that I wanted to tell you about that. So for my board at my day job, we had a board meeting and given all that's going on, um, my boss wanted us to talk about ways that our organization can help combat um systemic racism and so of course it was it was my job to lead that part of the of the meeting and we started by watching a video um that was created sort of about charlottesville and where some um jewish folks who lives in live in charlottesville after the unite the right rally happened and really came to see the ways in which uh the oppressions are linked 
Um, so we started with that and we talked about the things that our organization has already done. And then I walked them through this exercise to help recognize um, just one moment of white supremacy. And I only had like 10 minutes and I needed to be, I didn't want to, I didn't want to trigger any white fragility. I wanted to just like get a conversation started. And I was thinking about our conversations about white supremacy culture. And I personally am very susceptible to either or thinking. It is a trap that I fall into a lot. And I, and I agonize, like I torture myself with either or thinking, should I do this thing or that thing? Not recognizing there are, you know, 300 other things I could be doing. And so I started there and I invited them. I sort of talked about what either or thinking is and I invited them to think and share any either or thinking that they'd faced even just in the past week. And I'm not talking race. I'm talking like ketchup or mustard, vanilla or chocolate, like those sorts of things. And so we developed a little list and I said, okay, so you see how it shows up. And these are relatively benign, vanilla or chocolate, like maybe the other, you know, 29 flavors are sad, but like it's relatively benign that you're stuck in this, in that binary. But then think about the binaries like white, black, good, bad, productive, lazy, male, female, you know, and, and, and think about how those are not so benign, especially because the stuff in the left-hand column, the good, the male, the productive, the straight, end up, there's a certain parallelism that happens. And so we equate those things. Um, and to show them what I mean, I shared with them a couple years ago, this product, came, a picture of a product came up in my social media feed. And it was um, like the post with it was, I can't believe this is still happening in the 21st century, Some, something like that. And I'm looking at it and it's a Dove lotion, like a summer lotion from Dove. And it says, for skin type, normal to dark. And I'm looking at this thing. This is a couple years ago. So I've already started on my self-conscious anti-racist path, but it's, it's relatively early. And I'm looking at it and I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I didn't see it. Right. And so I shared it with my, I shared this image first with this, with the board. And, you know, I'm saying like it said, I can't believe this is still happening. And, um, and then the next image has it sort of under, like, you know, highlighted normal and dark are not opposites of one another. Right. And it was, it went so well, April, I like, I wanted to call you, but it was, um, you know, it was late. It was really late in Senegal. Um, because I was so pleased with the way they were able to kind of follow me without triggering white fragility and sort of, and I, I used myself so that I wasn't sort of you people, you know, um, and, and just really kind of acknowledge that this is just one of many ways that white supremacy culture shows up. And we were able to really have a, an interesting, you know, kind of moment together. And then I sent them off with homework to pay attention to when either or thinking shows up in their lives, like over the next week. And I sent them the article that you and I talked about, though, about the different characteristics of white supremacy culture. Um, anyway, it just... It was one of those like small moments for me on the path where it felt, it just felt really good. Like I was able to kind of have this conversation and lay out, lay out on the table what it is that we're working with without, without the drama of fragility and without like, without drama. It was just sort of like walking through the steps of how this shows up in our lives. It was great. I love that you chose that. As, um, that you that you share that uh, because one so let me so Kohakavod so much respect 
that's phenomenal. Um, it takes a lot of skill to be able to, like of all the things that one could choose from, to choose the right thing that's at the right level and, and that within that time frame that you had. Awesome. Um, and it's really funny because I was just thinking about a similar type of thing where I'm wanting to, excuse me, that I want to go deeper into some of the resources I've already created that it's occurring to me. It's not about me creating more. It's about going deeper, right? So I have these 10 guiding principles and it occurred to me like I'd love to create an e-course or a program out of this where we practice like, you know, and then you provided this beautiful example that provided in greater depth of what that might look like around these different core principles, because I really believe with the 10 that I wrote, not that they're exhaustive or all encompassing, but they are pretty phenomenal. And if people began practicing incrementally, doing these things more, all of a sudden they'd find like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier if I just call a friend and talk this through with them. Or I don't know what to do right now, but I'm just going to really lean on Emunah. I'm really going to lean into steadfast faith and say, I'm not sure what we're doing right now, but I'm going to stay the course, or I'm confused. This principle talks about getting curious instead of getting quitting. So I'm going to, I'm going to start asking smart questions. Like how, how did this happen? What am I missing here? This pizza is so good. <laughs> it's, it's, and this isn't something you made. Like this is the Senegalese people have embraced pizza. The place is called Sao Brazil. So I think it was founded by Brazilians who are making pizza in Dakar. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks for tuning in. Our show's theme music was composed by Elliot Hammer. You can find this track and other beats on Instagram at Elliot Hammer. If this episode resonated with you, please share it and subscribe. To join the conversation, visit JewsTalkRacialJustice.com, where you can send us a question or suggestion, access our show notes, and learn more about our team. Take care until next time and stay humble and keep going.